for listening to the Folk Podcast. If you would like to become more involved with the Wisdom of Odin community, please think about donating to Patreon. At the lowest tier, you gain access to our community Discord. Uh, the next tier, you gain access to live streams. And of course, at the final tier, you gain early access videos, as well as your name in the end credits for all Wisdom of Odin videos. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for whatever support you're able to provide. Hello, my name is Jacob, and welcome to the 31st episode of the Folk Podcast. Today, we have a guest who I've actually been on his podcast now, which is the Oaks and Oats Podcast, and that's Ben, who also runs the Oaks and Oats Instagram account. Um, so I've been excited to get him on here because, ironically, I've only met Ben once in person nearly a year ago, and we've tried so many times to, to get back together. Um, it just hasn't worked out, but we've uh, we connected really well, and I think we've maintained a good friendship over the last year. Um, but I'm excited to have him on the show. So, Ben, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everyone about yourself. Well, hello, y'all. My name is Ben House, and I am a Norse pagan. Uh, and I have been since 2018. So what happened for me was, like many folks, I grew up in – well, I, not many folks grew up in Ohio, but I grew up in Ohio. And like many folks, I was raised in the church. And um, from the time that I was a kid, I was always going, you know, Mondays, Wednesdays, Sundays, you know, pretty much three three days a week. Uh, I even did Bible Bowl as a kid, where I had to memorize the Bible and compete um, by like reciting back the verses, and uh, that was that was pretty much like my competition because I was also homeschooled when I was a kid. So that was what I kind of did to compete. Uh, pretty nerdy stuff, but a lot of fun. But as I got older, um, just really kind of walked away from Christianity, like a lot of folks have. I saw a lot of hypocrisy within the church, and I'm sure that y'all aren't a stranger to that. So I got kind of disillusioned, actually worked for a Southern Baptist Church as a graphic designer, because that's what I do uh, in my profession. I'm a, I'm a graphic designer and a copywriter. And um, I worked at this church, and we went to this mission trip to Peru, and it was an incredible experience. And what really struck me was that the native Peruvian people had their own like Inca faith that they still wanted to follow. And we were there to tell them that they needed to follow, not, not Catholicism, which the Spaniards had brought, but you know, the four spiritual laws of the Southern Baptist Church. And it just struck me as just like crazy that that we're coming into this culture that's been there for hundreds of years and trying to essentially wipe it out so that we can essentially put up a Walmart, a spiritual Walmart in this unique and thriving local culture. So I got really disillusioned with Christianity at that point, became an atheist, actually, or an agnostic, because you never know for sure. One day I took um, LSD and I saw uh, the runes and gold in the sky. And this was in March of 2018. And I've been walking down this path ever since. I like how casually you dropped LSD. You're like, yeah, I did LSD. And then I saw the runes. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, you know, it, <laughs> yeah. in a, in a you know, non-pagan context, you know, doing any kind of hallucinogenic is such a taboo. But I have found in the community that, that you meet so many people that are like, oh, yeah, because like, I mean, honestly, like. Um, I'm going to use our first F-bomb here, which I need to mark. Oh, shoot, I'm not recording the time. But I'm going to use my first F-bomb here because I think what hallucinogenics do is allow you to unfuck yourself um, and allow you to see what has always been there. It's just we don't allow ourselves to see. Um, you know, I I haven't done too many in my lifetime, but I've met so many people that it has helped them unlock that next step into uh, their spiritual path. Um, but this isn't an episode on that. So um, I do want to, uh, Ian and Caleb, do you guys have any questions for Ben um, before we start talking about today's topic? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting to see how some people will go on these missionary trips and kind of have that realization. Like you have some, you know, I've got plenty of friends that I grew up with that have done missionary trips like that before. 
you know, they were very much like all about it, you know, excited to try to essentially convert mm. and and do all these kind of things and set up these these places um, and all these other countries that have been practicing a, a certain way of, of faith for, like you said, hundreds, potentially thousands of years. Um, you know, and like I said, some of them are really about it. But then I've also had conversations to pe- with people who have had similar experiences like with you, where it was just once they were there and they kind of saw how things were going, they just it it really made them take a step back and think, like, is this really what like what these people want? Is this really what we should be doing? You know, why are mm-hmm. we doing this? You know, so it is always kind of interesting to hear stories like that to see, you know, like how people kind of understand, like. Why, like this question why are we doing this kind of a thing yeah for sure and i i, th- I think that there's just this like when you're in the christian faith there's this big um push to 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 say hey this is what we believe and i think whenever you convert someone to that faith it reinforces in your mind that yeah this is true this is right i don't need to question this i don't need to doubt this and i think you feel like it's kind of a, a, a sick thing but like when you go to another culture and can convert someone who's not you know, your neighbor to your faith, you, you feel like you got like spiritual XP points and like level up, you know, and, um, and then going back to the whole thing about hallucinogens too, that really quickly is I think that when I, I've, I've, my favorite one to use is, um, is psilocybin. And I've used that a couple times in my life. And when I've been on mushrooms, I have felt that this faith is real. And I felt that Christianity is absolutely not real, at least in the way that it's, preach these days um, in a very rational, um, detached from the earth, detached from nature uh, perspective. And so um, it's really interesting. Sometimes people go on psychedelics and they become Christians, like like they encounter Jesus or whatever. But I've kind of had the opposite experience with that. So just throwing it out there, we, we do need to do an episode on hallucinations. That would be really cool. But um, Rick Bricky, it's been a while, man. I've not been able to talk to you in a while. <laughs> sure. Um. But I, I, I see, I know exactly what you mean as far as the, uh, I never went on mission trips or anything like that. But one of the things that like it started leading me on my path out, outside of Christianity um, back when I was, I don't know, 10 or 11, something like that, was the fact that like how they say, like, if you don't, like, if you don't accept Jesus, then you're, then you're going to hell. But there's uh, all these cultures where they're stuck, you know, in the Amazon or something like that, or these tribes that are so detached, you know, they're detached from modern society. That they've never been able to hear it, so they're just automatically damned to go to hell, and they've never had the chance to do anything. And that was one of the things that started pushing me out of it. So I get uh, what you mean. Yes, sir. Is that the rain in the background, Caleb? Is it raining down there? Oh yeah, it's hitting oh my, my window. My window. Yeah, that's how it was last night here. Uh, yeah, a good old praise Thor moment because he has been so apparent everywhere lately. Yes, Dude, I woke yes, up at man. like two o'clock this morning. I looked at my phone and I was like, oh, there's a thunderstorm coming. And I, I was like, I woke up just in time to sit there and enjoy that for an hour and I went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a good transition yeah. over to you brought up Brick Brecky, which is funny because I haven't I haven't said that or thought about that in a while. Uh, but that is a good Thor experience. So uh, actually, the first yep. time uh, Ben and I met in first uh, person and actually Caleb was there as well, was our midsummer gathering. Um, you know, he came down, uh, we went to the gathering and right away he picked up the drum like we had bought a bunch of drums and I feel like we were kind of playing around with them, but he Ben picks up this drum and starts singing like within an hour of getting there. And like, we got everyone in a circle, like trance out of their minds, banging these drums. And it was kind of this theme throughout the whole weekend. Um, and it really came to a, a precipice when we got to the point where, um, 
you know, the storm was coming in uh, from, you know, just like the far distance. And then he went to the deck and I don't even know how it happened. I just turned around and there was just this army of people on the deck with drums and they're singing as the storm is coming in. Um, and it was just really like an epic moment. And uh, we may or may not have damaged the deck a little bit. But if you're the Airbnb, uh, that's I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it definitely like uh, the deck was not secure enough for dancing and yes. i feel like that should have been clarified to us uh but you know it, it did creak a little bit <laughs> and so he, he kind of got the the name deck breaker or i think someone looked it up in the old norse was brick brecky uh so you know again it's like it's crazy saying like uh, ben and i have only met once in person but like that one time was such a powerful experience um that it yeah. just has it still lived on uh to the day yeah, that was uh, that was so much fun. It was that was the midsummer gathering, and that's where I met Caleb. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Ian yet, but I've heard so many great things about him. Same with Kristen. I haven't met her either, but uh, um, I talk to her on Instagram sometimes. And that you know, it's it's interesting too, because like you, you have the the Instagram community and an aspect of things, but when you actually like you know put put a face with with the handle and the avatar, and you get to know the person you know, like in, in 3D, instead of just the one-dimensional, two-dimensional aspect you see on Instagram, it's it's really awesome. Um, and I think that's, you know, kind of a nice parallel with, with uh, paganism in general. Like, you can read about the gods, it's like going on their Instagram account and kind of following them. Or you can kind of, you know, when it's storming out, when it's raining out, go out and hail Thor and uh, make an offering and do ritual, and then you kind of get to know their personality in a three-dimensional way, too. So I think it's kind of interesting how you know, how we interact with each other as humans is, is relatively similar to how the gods interact as well with each other and with us. So I do want to go ahead and start pulling it in because we're already getting close to the 10 minute mark. I feel like we could just catch up for a while, but we're not here just to catch yeah. up. We're here to talk about a topic. Um, and today we wanted to talk about, originally we were going to talk about honor and reputation again, because that's something that uh, been on his personal, you know, his, uh, his Instagram page is really big on um, is pro uh, promoting positive masculinity and things like that. Um, but recently he came public with it. I've known about it for a while, so I'm glad I can talk about it now. He recently found out he is going to be a father very soon. So once again, a huge congratulations to you, Ben. I'm so excited for you. Um, but that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today is like his preparations for becoming a father. Um, I'm uh, soon wanting to become a father as well. Uh, I know Caleb is watching his daughter right now over the weekend. So um, and Ian, uh, I know you have, uh, you know, have worked with, uh, you know, I don't even Ian, like what's your situation? Like, tell us, tell us what your situation is. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like, I, I haven't put in a in a, a a father figure situation in the past. Um, I do not have any children on my own, but I have been put into a, a position in the past where I have I basically filled that role to a certain degree. Um, so yeah, that's essentially where my experience is. So it's, a, it's an interesting way of looking at it as far as like kind of coming in it from a an outside perspective, but not necessarily being like, I don't know how the way to like really word it, but not necessarily like, changing anything or picking up where somebody left off it was more of just a hey this is what i am or this is how i'm going to be kind of thing i don't know it is it is an interesting a slightly confusing situation so well you not, know much. i'll go into it too much but yeah right right um i mean the other you know other side of this episode i think i'm going to call it like pagan parenting and mentorship so i think that's something you can look at as well as we can be mentors of people um, and, you know, precursor to this, which is why I think if you are listening to this and you don't plan on having children, um, I do think children are an important part of our lives. But 
if you don't if you don't personally want children or perhaps you can't have children um i think mentorship and passing on some kind of legacy is just as important so this episode is going to be kind of about that about passing on a legacy passing on what you learn in your life um and i think that is important i don't uh, i think everyone should seek to pass on what they learn in their life to others whether that's through children or through other means um so i hope you stick with us through this podcast but obviously we are going to be talking a little bit more on parenting and with that ben how are you feeling soon to be a father what's going through your mind right now <laughs> Well, you congratulated me um, for it, but it's really my wife who's doing all the work. I had I had the fun part in it uh, so far, but uh, it's it's amazing, man. It's uh, it's a whole bunch of emotions coming down at once. So I'm I'm going to be 33 next month, and I feel like I've done so many things in life that I've I've understood. You know, I always think about Odin. He's always trying to gather knowledge and and do things and travel and, and discover things, but being a parent is something that I've never done. And my brother and my sister both have kids. And um, I, I just, my wife and I have been married for six years and we were, you know, we, we've just recently moved out of Georgia from Ohio and bought a house. Um, but I think, I think I'm really excited. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous um, because I, everyone tells me that kids are both the best thing and maybe Caleb, you can confirm or deny this. They're the best thing or the worst and the worst thing. Uh, but usually they wouldn't, parents say they wouldn't trade it for the world. So I feel like I'm going to be challenged. I feel like it's going to be difficult. And I feel like I'm going to have to be a lot more selfless and less selfish and more understanding. And I guess ultimately, I think it's going to be like a rite of passage. that's going to further grow me up as a, as a man and uh, as, as, a, as a man of faith as well. So, I, yeah, I guess have, I have a lot of anticipation toward what the future has to hold. And um, I, I hear that, you know, you can never you can be ready to have a kid. Um, or you can be prepared to have a kid, but you can never be ready to have a kid because it's something that, especially for your first, that you've never done before. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now with it. Yeah, it's really true that uh, you really can't be, you, you can think that you're prepared, but you never are for your first one. I can, I'll definitely say that. Uh, my daughter wasn't exactly planned. Um, and I remember whenever I found out, I was just like, uh, uh, Okay, I'm happy. I need a drink. And then I went and I drank. <laughs> that was literally like, that's what happened the first day that I found out I was going to be a father. But it's, you're, you're on the ball as far as like uh, everything that, that you're thinking of is, you know, you got to be less, less selfish, more selfless and everything like that. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that it's the hardest thing as a, as a, a new or a young parent, you're not as young as I am because I'm 25, you're 33. But it's, um, you know, you're going, there's going to be times where you're going to get mad. And you don't need to feel like you're a horrible person because you got mad at your child. It's, it's going to happen. You know, patience is a thing that you have to learn, especially with children, even if you already have patience. But as a, I don't know, I know Jacob and both, and you both, you know, you are, well, you're getting ready to be a parent. He's wanting to be a parent. Like if y'all have any questions that for me as a, you know, as the only like actual like father here at the moment, like, let me know. So far, the only, so far, the only notes I have from your parenting advice is find out wife is pregnant, go have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you had to get the priorities straight, right? <laughs> no, I just was not ready at the time. Um, I was like, I think I was 21 whenever I found mm. that out. Getting ready to be oh, 20. so you, you were like, well, <laughs> I'm finally 21. At least I can drink after figuring this out. <laughs> no, I was just like, I'm happy. But I'm just like, eh. I didn't, my brain didn't know how to process it. So I'm just like, I just need so a minute. I, 
I, I was hanging out with uh, my buddy. Uh, he was from Columbus, and he came down to visit me. Um, very, very important person in my life. And he has four kids. He had his first when he was 17. And I can't even imagine, like, and I always think of that. I'm like, all right. I'm like, if this guy can do it at 17 and all of his kids are normal, he- happy, healthy, then I can do it at 33. So I guess, Caleb, a uh, question, though, for you is, like, what happens, like, the first moment that you see this baby that's been growing for nine months and it, and it comes out, gets delivered, what emotions? Yeah, exactly. Like something out of, like, Alien or whatever. But, like, what, what emotions go through your mind and, and just, like, your soul when that happens? No, it's just like you, you can't believe that you already love something that you've just met for the first time that much. Uh, you don't know how to like, and it was, it was an, it was a, a really crazy thing for me. Cause it's probably going to be a little bit t- uh, TMI, but like whenever I was, whenever I was there in the delivery room, uh, the nurses like had me stand there and I was holding one of my wife's legs. So I had, I had, you know, the full, the full view of everything. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jacob, don't, don't be doing the, Ooh, no, it's, you don't, it's just, uh, I don't know how else to describe it, but. If y'all had the option of doing that, I would recommend it because it's it. it puts oh hell no! Oh hell no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I feel it's better to stay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've I've heard it said that it's better to, to be up at Mission Control on the other side of the curtain and and yeah, like once I hear once no, you I'm, see that was, you can't unsee it. <laughs> I mean, maybe it maybe I, maybe I'm just wired different. Like it it never it never did bother me or anything like that. It was just you know. I, you know, I got to be there for that, that part of it. I got to see the whole thing. It was awesome. Mm. Nah, I saw the miracle of life when I was in high school. That was enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was my first time I ever saw anything like that. I'm just like, ah, (laughs) miracles. (laughs) Never mind. I'm texting my girlfriend. We're not having children. Now that I'm thinking about it now. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's crazy. So, yeah, so it sounds like it's a pretty amazing experience then. And I... I hear that you don't get a lot of sleep. Is that right for like the first like year of the of the the, the baby's life or something like that? Or you have to work in shifts with your wife, et cetera? Like heard all that kind of stuff too. Uh, well, you might actually hear my daughter yelling in the background because she's in a room right now. But I mean, quite frankly, this is a perfect time for a child in the background. When we're talking about parenting. Yeah, yeah. true. As she yells, "Daddy!" and tries to jingle the doorbell or the doorknob open. <laughs> but it's. Uh, like the first two weeks, I, I want to say were like I think the worst as far as like not getting sleep, um, and then after that it, it starts it starts as the as the child gets into a rhythm of actually like especially if you if you can get their their nights and their days set up right, uh, then it makes your life a whole lot easier. Um, if you don't, then you're in for a world of hurt because they're going to be up all night and wanting to sleep in the day. So, um, as far just, as like. I feel like she knows that you're talking about her. Like, <laughs> she probably does. I mean, I'm not, I'm sitting in the, <laughs> but awesome. uh, yeah, working in shifts is a, timing is a, that one. <laughs> working in shifts is, a, is definitely a big thing that you have to try to do. Um, it's a little bit difficult to like, especially if you're, if your wife is planning on uh, breastfeeding. Um, mm-hmm. until, until they get into the rhythm of the of pumping and everything like that. Once yeah. they get, once they get the pumping and everything like that set up, then you can, you can help out more. But until, until that's set up, you know, you as the dude, you're just kind of sitting there like, well, do you need me to rub your back or do me rub your feet or what? That's a good question too. Uh, so that, so as a man, like how, how can I best be there? 
you know, for my wife, whenever the, the baby is born, I'm guessing like being super tentative to her needs. I've heard it said that once a woman gives birth, like she needs some recovery time. And I'm guessing that, you know, I'll, I'll have to help out around the house more and everything like that. But how did you, Caleb, in your, in your case, like serve your wife in that, in that experience and, um, and just make things easier for her? If I'm not mistaken, I think I told her that she wasn't allowed to like, she wasn't allowed to like do stuff. She had to like stay in the bed and like recover for a while because she just wanted to, she wanted to get up and do everything. I'm like, no, Mm. sit the hell down. (laughs) Let me do this. My my wife's that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's hard headed. Yep. Yeah. My wife's like part German. So she's very hard headed. Yeah. Meanwhile, my girlfriend is full German. So that's going to be a (laughs) lot of fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, She'll but be like building the barn as soon as she delivers. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's just, uh, you know, just do, do whatever you can for them. Try to make them as comfortable as possible. Everything like that. Um, you really do have to be careful about like if they try to lift anything, because they, especially if they end up getting, if they have any sort of stitches either from tearing a little bit, or if they have a C-section, uh, they have to be very careful about that because they can tear the stitches. Mm. So just do, just, just do it. Just do as much as you can for them. And it, you know, there's no way that I can tell you what is enough and what ain't enough. It all, it depends on your situation. Yeah. Ian, how you feeling over there? I can't see anyone's face right now. So, uh, Ian, how you feeling? Oh, good. I mean, I'm just giggling, listening to Dale's daughter in the background a little bit here. But uh, I mean, yeah, like for me, obviously, like I said, I haven't had any children of my own um, yet. So, I mean. I've been around a lot of my friends that have had children and, and et cetera. And for me, it was, you know, it, it's, I've heard like a lot of the stories kind of like what, you know, what Caleb was talking about from my friends and, and some family members, you know, my cousin, he just had, I think he just had his third kid now. He's a few years younger than I am. And he's not his, uh, yeah, I think he just had his third daughter. Yeah. He's got all girls. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a lot different, obviously, like, coming into it from an outside perspective as far as, um, you know, with my situation, uh, a little bit older um, child. So it was, obviously I didn't have to really deal with any of like the, you know, screaming children, you know, the tantrums necessarily. They're a little bit different uh, level, I would say, as far as um, of experience. So it's almost like I skipped a lot of the, you know, like the lack of sleep, uh, the, you know, mm-hmm. the worrying about, you know, all the extra things as far as like post-birth kind of a, of a situation. So it's, it's like, I, I have an idea of what to expect, say like 10 years down the road. Whereas like, obviously like with your situation, Ben, and with Caleb's situation, you know, I haven't had that experience yet of the, the baby to toddler kind of situation. So it's, it's actually pretty interesting to hear a lot of this stuff right now. So one thing I was actually going to kind of bring up, because obviously I'm at a different stage than, uh, you know, it's interesting. We're all actually at four different stages now. We have, you know, someone that is uh, on his way to becoming a father, an actual father, Ian, who's kind of in limbo right now. And then me, who is preparing himself to have children. Um, you know, I'm looking to probably, you know, this is actually probably the most I'll ever talk about my girlfriend on the podcast. Um, she, I, I am lucky enough to have found, a, uh, somebody who obviously knows what I do for a living, uh, knows about the wisdom of Odin, but does not want any attention from it, which I perfectly love because it makes me feel more secure about our relationship. Um, but also I do try to be a little bit more private about, um, our relationship with one another. Um, but something that I'm really excited for, and one of the reasons I'm really excited to be with her is the, 
is the ritualistic spiritual prep there is to having a child. And I think this is something that I look forward to teaching as a father and as, as a teacher in the future. Um, but there is a spiritual aspect to having a child, both in the creation of one and the birthing of one and in the raising of one. And I feel like that is something that is desperately lacking in our modern culture and society. Um, and she's been able to teach me so much about, you know, what we need to look forward to, what we need to do, how we need to do things, when we need to do things. Um, and maybe in the end, it doesn't actually help, but it makes you feel better. Um, because, you know, well, let's face it, you know, certain people, they have sex once and boom, they get, they get twins. Um, other people, you know, they go for years trying to have a child and they don't, aren't able to have one. And I think when you take those steps to, you know, even bring in the divine, bring in the spiritual, I think it's going to make you feel more fulfilled. Um, and I feel very confident now that, you know, we're, we're putting so much time into the, the ritualistic aspect of having a child and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, it, it makes me really excited. And I know even through the birthing process, through the, you know, her carrying the child and then having the child, we're going to bring the spiritual element that I, I, I really do think is uh, desperately missed in our modern culture and society. Uh, I want to add to that, uh, Jacob. I, th I think that what it's done for me so far, at least, is that it gets me more in tune with the natural world. And it might sound kind of strange, but the reason I say that is because everything has a gestation process like all life um starts from the earth or starts from the the womb of some sort the earth itself is essentially a womb which all life comes from and and it's something that's very natural i think we live in a world where i mean i know jacob talks about this we're so separated from the natural order the natural hierarchy of things that you know this is kind of a way of like when you got a baby inside it's like a way of going outside in a way because you're able to see this process happen in somebody that you love and take part in this like eternal and sacred rhythm of, of the creation of life. And um, so, yeah, I, I feel spiritually speaking that that's absolutely a powerful thing to, to meditate and think about because it makes it's helped me appreciate. We just got chicks uh, recently, like and, and they're just they're just game birds and, and egg layers. But like I, I see them differently than I would have before my wife was pregnant. I see my dogs differently. I see, I see people differently and it's, it's kind of a weird little switch. Yeah. And I agree. Like, I feel like there is, you know, in our, our modern culture, there is a massive disconnect. I feel like from the way that, you know, communities and children were raised as a whole. I mean, nowadays, you know, you have, uh, you know, my cousin's oldest is, I believe, oh, I think she's pushing four or five ish. But she already knows how to use a phone better than my grandparents do. You know what I mean? Things like that. It is a weird like situation that we are in because of, you know, technology. It's easier for us to kind of hand our kids uh, a tablet or like, you know, they make kids tablets that are meant for, you know, most of them are meant for, you know, learning and, and, and picking up things like, you know, like kind of like the old school toys that we had. You know, it, was, it wasn't not a pull string yeah. that makes an animal sound, you know, randomly, um, you know, but it. it it makes it's almost like a, a weird spot where we are now where we've kind of handed off some forms of parenting and mentoring and teaching mm. off to technology where i feel like a lot of people especially like in more of a a, a pagan faith uh i feel like we are pushing ourselves to be more like our ancestors were and bring more of a, a natural way of, of raising our children and, and having them experience the world you know because i mean Myself personally, if and whenever I do have children of my own, I mean, uh, this would be a lot like how I was raised. You know, I didn't get my first phone until I was, you know, 16, and they weren't obviously as prominent now. It wasn't until I started driving. It was like, okay, 
my parents are like, you need this phone now. This is why you're getting it only in case of emergencies because you're driving on the road. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not so much of a, here you go, here's this phone because it's just the normal yeah, thing you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I'm very curious to see what, how a lot of children are raised in more of a, a, a more earth and bone kind of religion, like, like the North mm-hmm. Paganism is. Well, I think there's this duality to it because I think in one side of things, I think parenting has never been easier because you can throw a da- tablet at your kid and they're going to be entertained for hours. Put them in front of a TV, put them in front of a video games. Shoot, you know, you don't really need – you just rotate them between those three three, th- uh, three things all day. You never really have to bother them. Then you get to send them off to school. I mean, but at the same time, it's never been harder to be a parent because we don't have communities anymore. At least we don't have as strong as communities as we used to. Um, you know, obviously, like uh, a lot of my education comes from history. Um, um, and a lot of cultural history, um, specifically Russia of all places. Uh, but one of the things, even all the way up through the 1950s and into the 60s, um, really until the Soviet Union, um, children were raised in the village. There was no really concept of parentage. This is a city modern concept of two parents raising a child. And now in our modern society, it seems like one parent raising a child is more common um, in split households. But a hundred years ago, especially in places like Russia and the, and the, the small villages, you had a child and then the village raised that one child. But they would also raise everyone else's children together, too. It was more of this mm-hmm. like community engagement thing where it was like, you know, no one no one had ownership of their own kid. Like the village owned the kids. Um, and it's I don't know. I think there's something better about that because it does. You know, there's a saying, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And I, I mean, I think that is true. Um, and I think that is something that is really exciting about um, paganism and the return to community and stronger small small communities is that, like, I look forward to, I mean, shoot, you know, Caleb, you already have a kid. I know Logan and Mary want to have a kid. Uh, ben, you're about to have a kid. I know there's more, more people in this community that want to have children here soon. And so thinking that we have this tight-knit group of people that are going to have children together that we're all going to get to partake in raising, um, I think that is – it takes a lot of pressure off of my shoulders personally being someone that wants to have a child because I know I'm going to have community support. Um, and I really do think that it, um, losing that community support has made people rely on things like tablets, TVs, and video mm. games to, to, take, to really raise their children for them. So I'll, I'll speak to that too. Um, it's something kind of an interesting anecdote, but so my wife was raised in uh, Southern California in past by Pasadena and her, uh, great grandfather, uh, came over from Germany and was a, um, like a, like a corn sale, like he was a corn farmer essentially. And so they, their family are all are her grandfather. Yeah. Great grandfather. Their, their family always had the sense of community like that. And so where they lived, like everything around them was built up with a bunch of like condos and all these different houses and it was became commercialized. Their house is the only house on their street that's still like in the 1920s style, like ranch house, like used to be an orange grove and horse farming territory out there. Now it's just urban sprawl and strip malls, but they still have horses on their land. They still got lemon trees down there. And what the coolest part was, was that my sister or my, my, my wife's sister is an identical twin. So they were raised on that property. Her grandma and grandpa lived in one of the houses. They had a carriage business. And her uncle and aunt lived on another house on that property. And her other uncle lived on another house on that little plot of land. So they all took part in raising all of their kids together. Um, all, all three of those siblings had children, um, including my wife and, and her sister. And so one of the reasons that we moved down to Georgia is because my wife's sister has had a, her first child. And they live down here in Athens, and we moved down so that we could do the same thing eventually. Um, and now I found out that I was 
you know, we're expecting. And I want to share that story too, because actually how we found out that we were expecting has a lot to do um, with, with paganism, um, strangely enough. So I wanted to become a father uh, for a long time. And it, and like my wife finally got to the place where, you know, she was, she was ready for it too. And so it tried for several months to no avail. And I had an oath that I swore to um, a friend of mine, actually my friend that just came down. It was a year long oath. And I, it was, it was from Yule to Yule, from solstice to solstice. So um, when I, this year, when I was going down to the Yule gathering for the South, um, this guy, uh, Matt, he gave me, he carved these runes for different people and he gave me an Ingwaz rune. And I, it just kind of took me back. So I'm like, man, like this is, I've been wanting to become a father and this is the, the rune of male fertility. Um, and I'm like, this really means so much to me. I'm like, this has come at such a great time. And he looked at me, he's like, yeah, he's like, I just felt like the gods were telling me that I needed to give you this rune specifically and find out I come back home after that. Um, and on the 21st on, on Yule, you know, like, well, Yule's a long, long time, but like on the solstice, one year after I made my oath, I found out that my wife was expecting. And so to me, that was just this cool, like confirmation that, you know, like the gods honored my commitment to my oath and they're, and they're, you know, almost that year of, of, of keeping that oath has prepared me for keeping this child, keeping my oath to be a good father to this child. And again, I want to raise it communally. And I know my wife is like very against screen time for the kid. And, and, you know, we're out here in the country a little bit. So we're going to try to, you know, help him help with farm chores and, and around the house and with the chickens and all that good stuff too. Sorry, I've been quiet, guys. I've been trying to deal with my daughter. I tried to bring her out so she could say hi to everybody, and then she decided to throw up because she's not had a nap yet. So you may be able to hear her crying in the background now. Parenting. Ah, Yes. This is what you all get to look forward to. <laughs> but um, I really like I really like that your wife has had the uh, had the like the community aspect of, uh, of, you know, being raised like that, because it's. I want to say like my family, my family has a little bit something similar to that, but it's like, uh, it was just, we had like a bunch of cousins that like lived really close to each other. And honestly, like the, the way my family is set up, like I have cousins that were 20 and 25 years older than me. So I grew up calling them my uncles and they all like took part in in like helping raise me and stuff. Like when I would go over to my grandparents, it really dropped off after I got to like, uh, I think eight years old is when we moved like two hours away. But up until then, I like I had that I had that sort of environment and it was amazing. You always had some, you know, you needed this right here done. You go, go, go talk to him. They'll help you. Uh, so one of the things uh, that I look forward to and something I've actually even told my grandfather, because I know my my grandfather, my, my dad's side, uh, well, he's my only remaining grandfather, is, is worried that his time is limited. You know, he's getting older. Um, I think he's 74 and his father died at 71. His grandfather died at 72. So he just feels that his time is closing in. And I can I can tell that he is upset that he may never get to meet my children or at least be remembered by my children. I can tell that weighs on him sometimes. Um, and I told him once, I was like, you never need to worry because I'll tell them stories about you. And I think that's something that I really look forward to because uh, my one grandfather this past, uh, Ian and I actually were just talking about it. Um, he went, you know, was uh, in war in Korea. Um, and it's not a pagan story by any means. He was a very devout Christian man, but um, he carried a Bible all the way through that war, which had also been carried all the way through World War II and World War One. And so that Bible is still in my family. And, you know, it's still a part of my family and my history. 
And so I look forward to showing them that a beat up old blasted up Bible and saying, you know, this is something your grandfather did that you don't know and telling them stories and, and really honoring the ancestors. And I feel like this is something that, you know, I don't necessarily feel right about having a shrine to my, my dead Christian grandfather or trying to venerate him. You know, I feel like it's a disrespect to his beliefs, but I think it is an honor in his beliefs to teach my children about him, teach him about how much of a kind man he was, that he'd lived through a war, went through the death of one of his sons and continued to provide for his family. Um, these are important stories I look forward to telling my children um, and really start bringing back, you know, good and, and true natured ancestor veneration. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that you said that about, like, your grandfather, because I know, I mean, we were talking about it earlier, like you said, I, I just, my grandparents just left um, this morning. They came by, they were coming up from visiting my grandmother's um, sister in Phoenix, and they were passing by, and, you know, I haven't seen them for, like, going on five years now, and they're in that same kind of situation where they're, you know, they're, they know their time is, is relatively numbered, Um you know, so they, they ended up passing on to me a bunch of really old photos of, you know, my dad, um, you know, my uncle, you know, various other, you know, old photos of them, my great grandparents. I mean, some of these photos are, are super old, very black and white, like original kind of like the big massive box flash style um, photographs. And yeah, it, it's, I feel like there is a certain, I feel like there's almost a loss or, uh, we've strayed from that kind of that idea of telling these stories of you know those who came before us as far as ancestral stuff goes and you know i'm excited that they've started to divide up a lot of these photographs you know they gave some to me they gave some to my brother you know my cousins you know my dad and my uncle you know they've all been kind of spread out so we all have something like what you're saying Jacob, with your with your grandfather's bible you know it's something that everybody has now that we can continue our like family's legacy and story to future generations and i think that's something that is also slightly lacking a little bit in modern day because everybody's just kind of more focused on kind of just focused on themselves a little bit and and not necessarily worried about the, where they come from is more of where you're going i feel like we're a lot of people mm -hmm. are focused well, you know, it, to pull that into like the tablet thing and, you know, electronics raising our kids, like, you know, myself being born in the 90s, I was lucky enough that smartphones really didn't exist until I graduated high school or close to the end of me graduating high school. Um, so, like, I don't think anyone wakes up and they think today I'm going to be selfish or I don't think they turn 18 years old and they're like, what do I want to be when I grow up? I want to be selfish. No one actually ever says that. <laughs> I think the society that we live in and the culture that we promote promotes selfishness. And people don't even realize they're being that way because they don't know anything different. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about community, about Norse paganism, is it promotes a society that isn't selfish, that is communal. Um, you know, I just got back from a gathering this last weekend. Um, it was our, you know, our star, our star gathering, our spring gathering. And the thing that I find so beautiful is that everyone helps. That it's not just one person mm -hmm. cleaning the dishes. It's not just one person cooking. It's not just one person pulling out the chairs and the tables. It's a community effort. Now, every now and then you have to kick someone off the couch, you know, because they've been drinking too much and get them, put them to work. Sure. But who doesn't have to do that? But the fact that, I mean, I mean, Caleb, your wife was there and she's not even, you know, she's starting to explore paganism a little bit more, at least her ancestral roots. And she was helping. I mean, she was one of the most helpful people mm -hmm. there. And I think when you put children in that environment of community, of helpfulness, they are they are not going to wake up one day and say, I'm selfish or I'm selfless. They will just be selfless. Well, I, yeah, I think we're all links in a chain, man. And, like, I, I heard – I've had this 
saying kind of rattling around my head that uh, tradition is not it, tradition is about the passing on of fire, not the preservation of ashes, right? So it's this idea that like that our our like you're talking about your grandfather, like our ancestral memories of our ancestors are part of our story and they're part of our context. I think we live in a world that wants to define us by consumerism. It wants to define us by the job that we have or by our social status or by our, you know, these arbitrary things that don't matter. But I think, Kayla, you'll probably recognize this and probably you too, Jake, being down in the South, even you, Ian, down Texas, like, um, like your family name is everything down here. Like in the North, it wasn't quite this way, but like people will, you know, respect you or disrespect you based on what your grandfather did or the reputation that they built. And so... I think whether you're talking about mentorship or fatherhood, it's all about passing on what we know, like in the gathering sense, so that we can all carry the load together, right? And that's what builds community and tribe in a natural, organic way, because people are collaborative and the lone wolf is the wolf that gets picked off. Like the, the pack of wolves is what is successful because they hunt the, the, the game together, they defend the pack, they look out for the young. And we are animals as well, and we're, we're part of nature. So it's wise to look to nature and see how, how we can pass that on and continue that, that transference of knowledge and transference of story. Because in that case, that fire never becomes ashes, but it keeps burning bright. I really like that you brought up the thing about, the, about how like your family name is pretty much everything, especially in small towns in the South, because I hadn't even thought of that before. Uh, like I've always, I've always just known it because it was just, that's just how it was. <laughs> Like the town, yeah. the town in the county that my that my uh, the Baker family that I'm descended from uh, is from in Virginia. They've been there since. I think it was. I think the first the first person that moved to that area was like. I think it was like the 1810s or 1820s, something like that, somewhere in that area. And they've been in they've been in that same county since then. As far as except for going, you know, they might go and they go to the next county over for a little while, come back and then, but they come back to, you know, Wise and Dickinson County and they stay, they've been there since. And it was my, like, I've heard stories about like some of my, a couple of my great grandfathers. I think it was, uh, I think it was my fat said, I think it was Otis. And I've heard a little bit about my grandfather. I think his name was Ed. I'm still trying. I'm, I'm just now recently going through genealogy and actually starting to figure that out. Um, exactly. Um, but just being able to go back and see, you know, see pictures that I've, I've, I've heard of these people and it's, uh, it's insane, but I really like that the thing in the South, especially in the small areas is that it's really close and reminiscent to how stuff was, especially back in the, like back in Europe, in the old world, as far as like how important it is for our ancestors, as far as like you, you do what you do now to honor your ancestors that came before you. And also for the people that come after you, because what you do now with your honor that will follow, you know, that will follow your family long after you're done. Yeah, I think I think one of the, the big things that I, I'm excited for as far as like a what I look forward to as far as a, a community raising of, of children kind of, you know, we touched on a little bit as far as like the mentorship goes, but you, you're taking all these different ideas and lessons from a wide range of different people that have all these different experiences. And now you're, you know, you know, you're exposing you know, young minds to think outside of the box because they can think of like, oh, you know, so-and-so from the community experienced something like this is how they did it or somebody experienced it in a similar way. And they can kind of, it almost allows them to be a little bit more free thinking because they have all of this this experience and knowledge that has been passed down to them through various, you know, people and, and 
and ways that they experienced it where they can make, I feel like, a better decision for themselves instead of being like, you know, this is how my mom and dad did things. So this is how I will do things, which I feel like is something that is very common nowadays. You know, I have friends of mine back from in Minnesota where I was, grew up that, you know, their family, you know, thought a certain way, did a certain thing. And in a way, yes, they are honoring, you know, their family lineage, doing a lot of the farming stuff, but they've never, with the, the mindset of the way like they think about the world has not changed. It has stayed the same as their parents and their grandparents before them and et cetera. You know, and I, I feel like because of that, it has caused people to be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say self-centered, but it, it, it doesn't allow people to really think outside of the box and think for themselves. I think, you know, raising you know, children in a community like that, or even, you know, young kids in a, in a mindset like that, you have so many different experiences and, and outcomes of situations that they can kind of put their own pieces together and really figure this stuff out for themselves. I've actually, I'm really glad we started how we had this conversation today, honestly, because I've had a, a couple of really good epiphanies while thinking, um, uh, you know, I think what you're looking for is that people don't think beyond their own selves anymore. So like, you know, if we, I just talked about me, my name is Jacob. I'm a YouTuber. I make videos. I make podcasts. I went to college. You know, I've worked, you know, for a living. That's it. You know, that's what most people see. They see what their own world is. But if you look at the, the sagas like Eagle Saga from the Icelandic mm -hmm. sagas, everything's about lineage. Like anytime they introduce a new character, it's like, oh, this is Bjorn, son of Felix, son of Thor, uh, son of Thorin, you know, son of Chad, you know, and it goes on and on. And that's why it's one of the most difficult things to read is because every character's backstory is based on their ancestry. And so I think, you know, it's an interesting thought process, you know, for me personally, when I started learning the stories of my grandfather is still alive. Now I can say that I'm Jacob, the son of a first generation college student. My dad was the first person in my entire family to go to college. He's made six figures ever since he graduated because he's a computer programmer and he's damn good at it but my grandfather was a steel worker my great-grandfather owned a general store my great-great-grandfather mm. was a coal miner and you know mm. a half my majority of my family has been coal miners and so it's like that gives our stories more depth more meaning and it, it makes it far more personal for us um and it's not self-absorbed um and i do think that is something that we've left behind is that we don't want to think about our coal mining ancestors but damn it, the majority of my family has either died or worked until they died in a coal mine. And that is part of America. That's part of our history. Especially yeah, the South. I, definitely. And, and, and on top of that, you look at, it's not just something that you see within heathenry. Like I remember being a kid doing, like reading the Bible and do Bible Bowl. There'd be like sections of like Exodus or Numbers, just the lineage, you know, like Genesis too, where it's like, this person came from this person. He lived X amount of years. He did this. He was, there was like a little blur about, he was known as a great, he made harps and liars or whatever. Like, like, and that's what's fascinating is why does that matter? It matters because it mattered to those people. And now when everybody reads the Bible now, they know what happened at the beginning of time, according to them, or what that happened, that lineage, because it mattered to those people. And that's really kind of what honor is all about. Like that, that those people, Tubal Cain or whatever, like, He'll be remembered forever because somebody wrote his name down. And I think that you, we do live in a selfish culture. And when we when we honor our ancestors and we and Jacob, when you talk about your your grandfather, great grandfather, that brings that memory back up. And that I believe too, I think the reason that this is so important in all these different religious and tribal structures is that I believe our ancestor 
our ancestral spirits, they go into the mound or, you know, they're in, in hell, like the good hell, not the Christian hell, or uh, maybe <laughs> some of them are even in Valhalla or whatever, but like, they're still around us. They're still present. And I believe that they receive honor when we recall those stories and they, they are near to us when we speak of them, just because if someone's talking about me, I want to hear what they got to say. And I feel like it's probably similar with our ancestors as well. Well, I think, you know, to, to bring it back to what I said at the beginning for those who are listening who potentially can't have children or don't want children, at least continue the chain somehow. It doesn't need to be through children. It needs to be through your legacy. You know, who's going to say who you were and what you did? Because like it says in the have all you know, only thing that stays on this, you know, in Midgard after we die is our honor, you know, our reputation, who we were. But yeah, you know, it's like, so let's just say you are, uh, you know, a guy, you're in your 30s and you've decided I don't want children. That's fine. Um, but what have you done in your life? Oh, well, I've accomplished this, that, and the other thing. Okay, who's going to remember that? And that's who you, what you need to figure out, you know, for the rest of your life is who is actually going to notice it? Who's going to remember? Are you going to pass it on? You know, are you going to adopt a child? Are you going to mentor a child? Are you going to mentor somebody else? Are you going to start a business and mentor a series of, you know, a different, you know, rules and regulations that embody who you are and you leave a legacy of a business behind? You know, I, I do think that, Anyone who doesn't seek that, seek some form of legacy, is going to wake up in their 50s and 60s mm. and realize that they're not going to be remembered. And I think that's going to be the most haunting thing that will ever, you know, ever be with somebody. Yeah, you, you also, like, when you, th- you come down the South, you see a lot of memorials to people, too, right? Um, whether the war memorials or just mem- memorials commemorating great people or whatever. Um, I think a lot of people will look for that. They'll, 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 especially rich people, they're like, okay, I got all this money. What can I do with it to, to be remembered? And some of them will, you know, buy a park or they'll buy like a stadium or something like that. But who are also remembered are those, you know, who build word fame as, as uh, Havamal talks about and whose kids reflect well on them too. Like a kid is a living memorial to their father or mother once they're gone. And they, they embody and they, and they carry that, that person's will forward that that person's honor forward so yeah i mean and i would say too like the people that hit like midlife crises you know middle of their life a lot of times they do that because they've been chasing after you know the the golden the brass ring on the carousel or whatever they they got the golden handcuffs tied on and they they've so bought into this idea of me 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 being successful being powerful being important that they hit middle age and they're like i'm not as sexually potent as i used to be i'm not as attractive as i used to be I've spent all my life doing this. I got to go chase it and feel like I did when I was younger. But I would say the wiser man says, instead of trying to chase the thrill of his youth, he, he hits middle age and it's like, what can I do to pass what I know on? What can I do to become more useful, to become a better mentor, friend, father, brother, son? And how can I synthesize and give that to someone else too? Now, I was just pulling it up real quick because I was thinking about it. I, I want to give Ian and Caleb more of a chance to talk here. But, um, you know, stanza 72 of the Have Them All, uh, at least part of it. You rarely see memorials of graves standing near the road that were raised for men without sons. And, you know, it's like rarely. Yeah, sure. You can say, um, you know, if you choose not to have children, that is your choice. But you're going to have to work extra hard to make sure you're remembered because it is going to be even more difficult to, to leave an insp- inspiration and influence behind that you will just be worthy of a memorial. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, it's, it's you know, yeah, exactly. I, like I said, I don't have children of my own, and it's leaving that legacy behind. And I've looked at it, like, you know, while we were sitting here listening, and I'm thinking about, you know, what my brother, what my cousins have done so far in their lives, um, you know, even my own parents, and just my just looking at myself on what I have done, you know, is has already far exceeded what the vast majority of of that generation has done, you know, basically my, both my grandfathers 
served in the military, you know, they have amazing stories from various parts of, of, uh, of time and, and certain, you know, conflicts and et cetera, you know, and then there's a, a group of, you know, my, basically my parents' generation where they didn't really do anything really that exciting or anything that really makes them stand out, you know, and I think that, that, you know, struck me pretty early on which promoted me to join the military, you know, and now, you know, I've recently decided that I'm going to step away from that. But I mean, I have going on 10 years by the time I actually do get out of, of, a, of, a, of a history of a legacy of things that I've done, places that I have gone, you know, the people that I have met and all these stories to go along with it, where, you know, my brother and my cousins have kind of fallen into the, the, uh, the trap of, I have to get go to school, be extremely successful through school and a job and et cetera like that. And then, you know, they really don't have anything other than that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's almost kind of sad to look at it where it's almost this almost two generations worth of, of people that ha- don't really have anything to hold on to. You know, and it's it's, it's just yeah, it's kind of sad where, you know, one of us has something to really pass on. So let's see here. Is there anything else we want to cover in the last 10 minutes of this podcast that we think is, you know, either thoughts we've had on parenting, thoughts we've had on legacy, or anything we want to pass on to the, the you know, 40% of viewers that actually listen to the, the very back half of a podcast? I mean... Yeah, I, I, I would actually... Oh, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Oh, okay, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, one, one thing that I've, you know, I've failed to do early on in my life, and I feel like I, I've, you know, I'm starting to make up for it, is honestly just journaling. You know, so many of our... Mm. our our ancestors, like my great grandfather, I mean, great times like five. I was talking to Jacob about this. You know, my family has a has kept a journal that he he had on him from the early 1800s, like pre Civil War era. You know, where he has kept track of his legacy as being a started out as a a journeying preacher, a traveling preacher. Where then he decided, well, I can't make money doing this. His traveling partner that he was traveling around the Upper Midwest. Um, with was a traveling uh, livestock veterinarian. And he taught my grandfather all these things and tools of the trade where he's like, well, this obviously makes money. This is going to put food on my table. So he started doing that. And he has documented, you know, just years and years of his life of being a traveling veterinarian. And, you know, I feel like that's something, you know, it's a little bit easier for us in the modern age where, you know, we can do stuff like a YouTube channel or Instagrams and things like that, where they'll potentially last, you know, far far beyond you know our lives but i also think like just just keeping some sort of a a memoir or or a journal or something like that will kind of give you know your future generations something to look at and look back at and you know read about i think that's something you know if you don't have children or if you're not you know don't want children or whatever your situation situation may be i think writing you know your own personal memoir might not be a bad idea keep something for you and keep something physical as well. Like if you type it in the computer, that's great, but make sure you print that thing off because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. You know, like, uh, you know, majority of the Wisdom of Odin videos are kept uh, on YouTube uh, and they're also stored on a hard drive. But like if something happened to YouTube, YouTube decided it was going to close its doors. You know, luckily I have the hard drives, but boom, those hard drives disappear. What do I got? I got nothing to, you know, to show what, you know, I've done in the Wisdom of Odin. Same thing if you kept a journal on your computer and you you know, I've had many computers crap out in my day. That computer craps out. It's not backed up to the drive or whatever. Uh, there goes your history. So make sure you're printing physical copies off of things that you write uh, digitally. And I'll add too, um, 
that's that's really good advice. Um, but but also, I, I think if, if you're listening to this podcast and maybe you're younger and you're, you're like, well, I haven't done anything that amazing yet. That doesn't mean that, you know, there isn't something that, you know, that somebody needs to know. Everybody's good at something. And uh, like mentorship, even if you're like a, like a, in your teens and you're like, well, I, I don't want to be a father for a while. You can kind of prepare for it by passing on what you notice know someone by help by offering to help someone by learning from someone and then passing that what you've learned on to somebody else too it's it's really something that you don't have to wait to do it's just something that you have to do and the more you do it i think it just becomes more and more natural because i mean my brother my little brother is here and i i help him with stuff all the time i, I hang out with a lot of younger guys go to the gym with them and stuff and i i teach them i've taught them how to box i've taught them how to, to uh roll paint and everything like that and it, it feels really good to do that because Someone took time to teach that to me, and I'm taking some time to teach it to them, and I know they'll take time to teach it to someone else too. And I mean, really, that's kind of the same concept of fatherhood. Um, so even if you don't have kids, you can kind of be a father in a way by being a mentor, by by giving your wisdom to someone else and making their life better as a result. Just real quick on one last thing on like the whole legacy thing that we've been talking about was uh, I'm I'm really happy now that I'm I'm going back and I'm learning about my fa- like my family's history and everything like that so I can pass that down to my children because I never knew I never knew anything past like my my great grandparents other than just like a name or something like that but I never knew anything about them but that's one thing that I really love about the community that we have is that I know long after we're gone there's still going to be stories told of everything that we did here at the beginning of everything I mean everything that everything that we're we're doing just in this, in this last year I mean it's going to be remembered and immortalized especially in like the in the like the chronicles that uh I think it's uh Heath that he's writing those but the especially with the um if you're going they're going around of like you know you can't have children or you don't want children um you know mentorship that is a it's a wonderful thing that you can do to pass on your knowledge because that will say that'll save the person that you teach that so many years of trial and error that you had to go through to be able to get where you are so yeah to, to cap it off on my end um i think i'll leave it with my uncle greg who appears in a couple of episodes here and there um but he is a christian by all means but he is a uh, a bible christian not a not a church christian you know he kind of has read the bible a few thousand times probably kind of has his own thoughts and his own way of doing things and you know i respect him because he respects my beliefs and i respect his um but one of the greatest influences in my life was when he started opening up to me about the world beyond, you know, the four walls I was raised in because he has lived so much life. He was a hippie. He was in a biker gang. You know, he studied things like the Illuminati, conspiracies, aliens, Bigfoot. Like he is the conspiracy theory uncle. And when I turned about 16 years old, he started opening up to me about this stuff. And I don't think he ever wanted me to believe it. But he wanted me to know that there was more than I was being shown because um, I was raised in a very sheltered household in the sense that we, you know, we didn't leave our small little perfect town that never had anything bad happen in it. Um, we went to the same church for the longest time. And I think the greatest blessing my uncle could have given me is to open my eyes at a young age. Um, you know, and it wasn't like he sat me down and, and unloaded it all on me in one sitting. You know, it was just like as soon as I turned 16, you know, we would have these talks till one or two in the morning. Um, and just tell me about like the crazy world that we live in. You know, that's where I first learned about Wicca. The first time I learned about, you know, occultism and things like that. And it's like, I don't know, like if I didn't have that, you know, that eye opening experience, I may not be on this podcast right now. And my uncle does not have any children of his own. 
And so I know that when he dies, I'm going to get like everything, like all of his weird witchy books, all of his weird occult books, all of his like dissertations on the Illuminati and all these things. And it's like, I'm honored to get those things. And he was able to do that with someone that wasn't his biological son. Um, but I know very much that, you know, he has taken on a, a mentor role, if not a, a slight father role with me. And uh, it, it's been an honor to learn from him and just uh, learn his crazy stories. Jacob, do you think there would even be a wisdom of Odin if it hadn't been for your uncle? Probably not, because he's definitely like what's made me weird. <laughs> he, he, he taught me to embrace my inner weirdo for sure. Um, That's a pretty powerful testament to the power of, uh, of of passing something down right there, man. Can't think of a better way to end this. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I can't wait. I have two nieces. One's 14, almost 15. One's 12. So as soon as they hit 16, it's time for the tinfoil hats to come out, kiddos. Um, so, gentlemen, Podcast 31. It's coming to an end. But Ben... Thank you so much for being our guest. I feel like you just became a part of the podcast really quickly. It's been a, a true joy to have you on here. Uh, but where can people find you? And uh, you had a podcast of your own. What do you got going? This is your spot. This is your spotlight. Promote yourself. All right. Well, I, I again, it's not really about me. It's about it's about the movements, about what people are doing. But if you are interested in seeing what I'm about, I'm on Instagram at Oaks O A K S A N D O A T H S Oaks and O's. Um, also have the Oaks and O's podcast where I have interviewed Jacob and I'm working through Rune Study and I've done some stuff with uh, um, just like some insights that I've had on on, on paganism, such as can a pagan and a Christian get along? And I'm not going to give you the answer. You got to listen to the podcast, but that's just me. And uh, appreciate a follow if you want. And uh, yeah, just. Yeah, I'm just just like anybody else. I'm just trying to figure it out, live an honorable life so I can die an honorable death and, again, pass down what I know. And hopefully it's useful for mainly men um, that are pursuing a, a positive masculine experience as opposed to just reacting against the cultural zeitgeist like so many people do. I think men need to be builders and they need to shine like the sun instead of being a black hole that destroys uh, everything around them. So that's kind of what I'm all about. So are you going to make like 20 episodes before your child is born? So that way you can like still have the podcast going. Yeah, I, I got to do that. I've been, I've been slacking on Instagram and podcasts. I've been so busy at the new place, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited to get back to it here soon. That's a good idea, Jacob. Just kind of backlog it. So. Like as a, as a full-time content creator, I'm thinking about that. Like there's a opera, there's a chance that next year I will be having a child. Like, you know, March next year, it could happen. And so I'm sitting here like, I'm going to have to make like 20 videos before that kid comes out. That way I can just like die and not have to worry about videos for a long time. <laughs> It'd be a very good idea if y'all do that stuff. Just saying. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> no, I'm just going to toss it off her. Like, Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> what? She, she comes out of hospital, here's baby, raise baby. All right, I'll go back to work. <laughs> Goodbye. I got to go to the bar. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me on, guys. This has been a lot of fun. I feel like it's it's been less of like an interview, more just like a roundtable discussion. And I've, I've benefited from hearing, especially Caleb, you know, going through it and just kind of also Ian and Jacob. So thank you all for having me on. And hopefully uh, this won't be my last time. No, and hopefully we'll see, uh, see you here soon. But anyways, we need to end this yep. podcast. Yeah. Another one to film. So. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you want to be on The Folk Podcast, please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. That's all lowercase, thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to talk about a topic with us, please email us there as well. But until next time, until the hall, skull. 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 Oh, that was some cold coffee. Oh, <laughs>